I've decided through prayer and through study this week to continue in Matthew chapter 7 from where we left off last week. I won't go through the whole story of how I landed in Matthew 7 last week again, um, but I feel that God directed me there, and I think it's worth continuing Jesus' train of thought this week. Uh, It'll give us some continuity. It'll complete the thought. I think it's appropriate on a Sunday where we think about fathers, because this is a very important passage for fathers to think about and to understand. I think it's an important passage on the day that we dedicate our pew Bibles, because it has to do with Jesus' words. So I'd like for us to read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I'll invite you to, if you're able to, to, please stand as an expression of honor as we read God's words, Jesus' words, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray once more. Father, please now open our eyes to you and your word. Open our ears. Please give us hearts to receive it. Please do your mighty and life-altering work through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The passage says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, the NIV says, puts them into practice. The New Living Translation says, follows them. The New American Standard Bible says, acts on them. King James says, doeth them. The point of this passage is that hearing Jesus' words is not enough. Hearing Jesus' words is not an end in of itself. Hearing Jesus' words is not the goal. We must respond, and we must respond rightly. That's the big idea of our passage this morning. Jesus reveals here that there are two ways to respond, two possible responses, and two possible outcomes for hearing Jesus' words. The same church, sitting in the same pew, within the same denomination, people hearing the same passage, spoken from the same pastor on the same morning, yet two very, very different responses, leading to two very, very different outcomes. There are two opposite events happening right now. Can you feel it? Right when I read those words, two opposite events were taking place among us. Some people were hearing me read that and are hearing me now. And they're soft to it. And they're receiving it. 
and they're being changed by it. They're growing or they're repenting or they're learning or they're worshiping. Some people hear and respond that way. Other people hear and they're hard to it. They're not growing. They're not changing. They're not receiving it. They're not responding to it. That's the case in every church right now across America that's meeting. People are listening to sermons, but they're not receiving it in the same way. The question is, which are you? That's the question we have to wrestle with this morning. Which one are you? Which one am I? Both of these men built a house. Both of these groups hear the words. Both of these groups of people are building a life. They're building religious practice. They're building a persona. The difference between the two isn't how busy they are or where they are or what they're doing. The difference is it's not the outward appearance. The difference is the foundation. So the question for us is, is our foundation one of hearing Jesus' words and acting on them? Or is our foundation one of hearing Jesus' words and ignoring them? This is, this is a heavy topic to jump right into, especially on Father's Day. But it is extremely important. I have been with people on their deathbeds. And I have heard many of them cling to their church attendance for their security, their eternal security. But church attendance in of itself isn't necessarily good. Since hearing Jesus' words is not enough, the question isn't just have you heard Jesus' words and about Jesus, it's have you acted on what you've heard? Now, I love teaching and I love preaching. That's what I feel like I'm most useful doing. I love to listen to good preachers and good teachers. My podcasts on my, my iPod are full of preaching and teaching podcasts. Uh, I love good books, reading them. I wish I could write one, but I'm not talented enough. I love these things. But it may not be that we need more teaching it might be that we need to act on what we already know. You may not need to hear another sermon. You may need to act on what you've already heard. It's infinitely better to hear less and act on it than to hear more and to ignore it. Infinitely better. Do you know there are some places where they've got only scraps of scripture and they have no Bible teachers. Yet spiritually, in terms of maturity, they are light years beyond many of us who have Bibles stacked up here. We have Bibles all around in our house. We have access to good preaching and teaching through technology everywhere we go. Yet there are people who hear a lot less who are a lot stronger in their faith, who are a lot more robust and fruitful as Christians. So what makes the difference isn't how much we're able to hear, it's how much we're able to respond to. Imagine if you only have one verse. If we didn't have all of this, and we didn't have preachers and teachers, but you had John 3.16. 
having John 3.16 and really receiving it and responding to it is infinitely better than having all of this and ignoring it. If you just have John 3.16, then you can, you can know that God loves the world. You can know that he sent his only son. You can know that he doesn't want us to perish. So there's this danger of perishing. He wants us to have everlasting life. And you can know that you can have it through believing in Jesus Christ. So if you just have John 3.16, think if you just had that and you meditated on it day and night, and if that verse became who you are, just think how strong you could be just with that one verse. Believing in Jesus Christ, heading towards everlasting life, understanding the gospel well enough to tell others, to warn them about the fact that they may perish without Jesus. Yet we have so much. I think we have sort of a spiritual eating disorder where we take it in and we take it in and we take it in, but often we don't change and we don't grow, we don't act on what we hear. I mean, think about how many sermons you've heard in your life. Think about how many passages of the Bible you've read. Think about how many coffee mugs with a verse on it you've seen and read. Think about TV preachers, radio preachers, books. How much have you taken in and how much response has been provoked by it? Jesus says there's two types of people who hear his words, those who respond and those who do not. Those who do what he says and those who do not do what he says. Those who act on it and those who do not act on it. And when you think about it, it makes sense. What good does it do to hear something if you're not going to act on it? We have many small business owners. If you, if you tell your employee something to do, what good is it if they hear you very clearly, but they don't act on it? I heard Francis Chan give a great illustration of this with his kids. You know, imagine I ask Elias to clean his room. He says, okay, you want me to clean my room? I understand. And so I walk off and I do my thing and I come back and his room's still a mess. And I say, well, Elias, I thought I asked you to clean your room. And he says, yes, I know. I heard you. And I've been meditating on that all day and I've memorized it. And Lillian and I got together and we had a study about what it might look like to clean our rooms. And I feel so much better having meditated on your words. He's completely missing the point. Man, it's silly, isn't it? Yet, how often is that what we make of our Christianity? We love the Bible. And we love it to hear a good sermon and a good lesson and read a good book. And I wonder if God's sitting up there looking at us like, come on, just do it. Do this. Live in light of this. How much action has been triggered by your encounter with Jesus' words? When's the last time you repented of something? When's the last time you were just undone by him revealing some sin in you? And you had to go to a person and say, I have sinned against you in this way. Jesus has revealed it to me in his word. I need your forgiveness. I need you to pray for me. I need to repent. When's the last time that happened? 
When's the last time something Jesus said provoked you to worship in a way that you wouldn't have had you not encountered Jesus' words? The last time you, your heart has been opened more to God than it was before you heard Jesus speak to you? When's the last time you were prompted by Scripture to do something, to go, to serve, to speak to someone, to give, to forgive? When's the last time you did something in response to something Jesus said? I wonder if our failure here is one reason why Christianity can seem so boring. Has all this ever just seemed really boring to you? It's not going to hurt my feelings. It will hurt my feelings, but that's okay. It can seem so boring to just have this thing. We know we're supposed to read it. I do my devotion this morning, and then you do it, and you feel like you should pat yourself on the back. You did this great spiritual deed. Or you go to church, and you hear me preach again, and feel good about that. But ultimately, nothing stirs within you, and there's no real engagement with any real-life activity. How boring. Who wants that? But imagine if you could go, and you could see Jesus standing there, and he, him looking at you, and he says to you, okay, I want you now to drop your nets and follow me. I want you to follow me. And I'm going to be teaching about life, and I want you to live in light of what I say. Okay, so you know your enemy, that person who did whatever they did to you that seemed unforgivable. I want you now to forgive them and actually love them and find ways to serve them. Now go and do that. So you go and you do as the Lord says. Or he says, you know how you've been really anxious? I want you to do something. I want you to look at the fields and see the birds out there and the flowers and see how God's taking care of them. I want you to go, I want you to look at them and remember it. And then every time the anxiety comes up, remember that that God cares for you. And instead of being anxious, seek the kingdom of God first. So go out and and try to worship God and love people and make disciples. Redirect that energy instead of stewing, you know, on your couch all day and being worried. I want you to go and do that. I think we, we receive that scripture and we think, well, I'll let that wash over my mind and maybe something will happen. Maybe I'll feel less anxious for having read the scripture without going and doing it. There's a very practical element to Christianity. It's not all theory. Real life change, real life action. It's way less boring than just coming and hearing me speak, but coming and hearing God's word and and thinking, well, what do I need to do now? What new thing do I need to believe now? What promise do I need to bank on now? What do I need to stop doing? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? There's action required. What this passage means is that merely hearing Jesus' words is not necessarily good for you. Now that's a revolutionary thought. It means that coming to church may not actually be good for you if you're going to ignore what you hear. It means that doing your daily devotions may not actually be good for you if you're going to ignore what Jesus says. It can be really dangerous. 
The same sermon washes over a congregation as it is now. And some are softened and changed and it's life to them and others are hardened and their life becomes more death-like. Because the more you hear Jesus' words and ignore it, the harder your heart becomes to it, the less likely it is that you're going to respond next time. So it's dangerous what we're doing right now. I wonder if God led me to these passages to sober me to my task because I tend to be lighthearted about this. I tend to joke a lot during sermons. Um, I do it to keep you paying attention for one thing and to make myself feel better because, well, I got to laugh. I may not have gotten any real life change out of them, but they laughed a little bit. And I just tend to be light. And I feel like God has been teaching me over and over again lately. This is not something that we can be light about. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. There's nothing funny about this. Because the outcome of of our hearing is both practical and everyday and it's eternal. So let's look at the passage again. What does he say is going to happen? Those of you who hear his words and do them, act on them, follow them, says you will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. On the other hand, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, I think this points to everyday practical stuff, and I think it points to eternity. And I'll tell you why. I think it points to everyday practical stability versus being easily blown over. Because a lot of the context of the Sermon on the Mount is just very everyday practical stuff. You read the Sermon on the Mount, which this is the conclusion to. And he's talking about mourning, people who've lost loved ones. He's talking about persecution and witnessing. He's talking about... Anger, lust, divorce, oaths, how we treat those who are bad to us, our giving, what to do about needy people, like you see somebody on the side of the road with the cardboard sign, um, praying, fasting, money. He's talking about how we use our wallets and our bank accounts and our debit cards and our credit cards. Anxiety, judging, relationships, it's all very practical stuff. So I do think there is an everyday dimension to what he's saying. If you will act on what Jesus says, you will live your life as though you're standing on a rock. You will build your life as though on a rock. If you hear all this and ignore it, you will build your life as though it's on sand. You'll live your life as though you're not standing on anything stable. A wind blows, you fall over. The rain pours, you fall over. The floods come, you wash away. But I think maybe even more immediately, I think he's talking about eternity. I don't think it's just our day-to-day stability. Again, because look at the more immediate context in the Sermon on the Mount. Back at uh, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. 
For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And then the passage we read last week, which is the immediate, what, what he's, his train of thought flows from what I'm about to read into what we're looking at today. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Remember, we talked about that last week. That's the train of thought that's leading him into this paragraph. So I think he's definitely has in view our eternal destination here. You know, I could read other passages to you. I don't think that I will, though, but you know, the Bible describes when Jesus returns, it's going to be catastrophic. And there will be judgment. It'll be as though a storm is raging against us. And some of us will find that we've built our life on the rock, having heard and responded to Jesus. And some of us will find that we have built our life on sand, having heard and ignored Jesus. And one passage says he'll separate the sheep and the goats. We'll see who's been walking through the narrow way that leads to life and who's been walking through the broad way that leads to death. We'll see the ones that he knew and the ones that he doesn't know. So yesterday, late afternoon or early evening, Julia McWhorter died. One day, I will be announcing to the congregation, perhaps, that you died. Or some other pastor will be up here announcing that I died. One day, we will find ourselves on our deathbed. And it's a bizarre thing. It's a really bizarre thing. I've sat in those hospital rooms and I've thought about the fact that these people are aware often they're not going to exit that bed. They're not going to walk out of that room. They're not going to walk out of that hospital. They're not going to see their home again. They're not going to ever be able to run again. There are people that are important to them that they're never going to see again because they live in other states. We are going to be there one day. Now, it's not my bright idea to bring this up on Father's Day. You want Father's Day to be light and yay, fathers, but I, I feel that God wants us to deal with this. I am not serving you well if I don't put this in front of you because we don't like to think about this. Heaven and hell hang in the balance based on our response to Jesus. We can't float in and out of church casually. There's nothing casual about this. Now, this isn't meant as condemnation. Jesus didn't mean it that way. I don't mean it that way. It's meant for clarification because we can be so easily deceived. The deception is so subtle. Satan is not going to come to us church folks with a bag of cocaine in one hand and a revolver in the other and say, let's go. Because he knows we're going to say, wait, I'm pretty sure you're holding a pitchfork and a bag of cocaine and a revolver, big red flags. 
I'm not going to follow what you're saying. He's smarter than that. He will trick us into thinking that just hearing Jesus is good enough. And he would love for us to live our entire lives in church pews, hearing God's word preached, if we would never respond to it. This might be one of the most dangerous places on earth. You can go to church without following Jesus. You can hear Jesus' words without following Jesus. And some of us, maybe many of us in churches like ours, have heard and responded to our parents saying, you're going to go to church. This family goes to church. And we've grown into adulthood, so we go to church. Mom and dad said go to church. So we respond to our parents' call to go to church, but we may have never actually heard Jesus say to us, follow me, trust me. Now, responding to our parents' call to go to church isn't bad, it's good. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we tell our children to go to church, but it's not the same as hearing Jesus say, follow me and trust me and then transferring all of the weight of your faith and hope onto him and looking to him as your Lord, which means you do what he says. They're not the same things. Some of you have heard Sunday school teachers call to you and say, you need to clean up your life and live a moral life. That's not the same as hearing Jesus say, you need to follow me and trust me. Don't just hear Jesus' words. Listen, even right now. What's he saying to you in his word? Is that you? Have you gone to church and tried to live the Christian morality, but largely ignored Jesus as Savior and Lord? If that's you, even if you feel like, well, this will be embarrassing. I've been you know, a deacon or a deaconess here before. or I've been at church here for 50, 60 years. You're not going to let a little embarrassment stop you from coming to Christ, I hope. Come and talk to me. Receive him, follow him, trust him. And again, this isn't my idea to preach like an evangelistic sermon to you now. I mean, I hope and pray that we're all Christians in this room. But he led me here, he leads me here, and I think somebody may need to hear it. Don't just listen to Jesus, respond. Maybe this, for the Christians in the room, is just a refreshing reminder that you're not called into some dull, lifeless religion. You're called into an exciting walk with a real person, Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, who will tell you things to do and not do. And we just need to get back in the game and respond. Now, if you are a doer, if you know that you know exactly what he's talking about and you hear his words and you do them and you should just rejoice in that because that's not anything that you drummed up on your own. He awakened that in you. If you're not, if you know that you're not, do what he describes back in chapter seven, verse seven. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So just go to him now in prayer. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a closing song, and 
You can come pray up here or you can pray there or you can grab me to pray with you. But just say, Lord, I don't know if I've gotten this before or not, but I want it. So I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Please help me to not just be a hearer, but be a doer. Ask, he'll do it. He wants that. He wants to do that for you. Now, a quick word to fathers. It's Father's Day. This was supposed to have been a Father's Day sermon. Now, I'll close with these quick words to fathers. Fathers, there is no greater gift that we can give to our children than to hear Jesus' words and do them and bring our kids along with us. And there may be no greater harm that we could do to our children as church-going men than to hear Jesus' words and ignore them and bring our children along into that. So may we all be doers and not just hearers only. Let's pray. Father, we've now heard Jesus' words. Please help us to see clearly and understand what it means to respond to them and do them and act on them and put them into practice. May none of us be hearers only. And if any of us are, please reveal that to us and, and do what needs to be done in our hearts to change us. Lord, may we all find in the end that our house was built on the rock and not the sand. In Jesus' name, amen.